Coming up on this week's episode of Filmology, we are taking a look at a mockumentary film, a 1970s classic, and man, I can't even remember what the other film was. Wait, did we... Oh, it was that Netflix movie. A very forgetful Netflix movie. If that doesn't reveal my hand... If I if that doesn't reveal my hand, I'm not sure what else does. All that and more coming up this on this episode of Filmology. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be so, beat. Everybody, welcome to Filmology. I am John Galarwitz, also known as Johnny G, over at FilmologyShow.com. And once again, I am joined by Mike. Hey, hi again. Mike, how, how are you doing this week? We're having a having a good week. I mean, the weather's getting nicer out there. Um, um, the weather is the nice. grass is actually... I'll give you that. grass is actually green. I'll, yeah, I'll give you that. It's nice and green outside. And it was like 70 degrees almost today. And yesterday it was over 70. That was good, at least. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, um, and I can tell you right now, the sun is going down, and it's actually directly in my eyes as I have uh, the recording space in the office set up right by the window. Mm-hmm. Which, it seemed nice at the time when the office was being set up, but now I'm regretting that. Ooh, I'll have to keep that in mind. I'm moving soon. I don't think I ever told you that. So. No, you, no, you didn't. Oh, well, 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 have a good move. Thank you. No facing mm. the windows. I'll remember that. Good call. Yeah, just, just, well, the windows are fine, but, like, if you're facing it when the sun's going down and you're by it, it just kind of, at least the room that I'm in currently in, it kind of bakes like an oven, because I turn the... the the air off and everything when, when uh, I'm doing a recording, just not have any extra noise. I mean, I would get extra noise because of uh, everything else going on. Like, every now and then there's a train that goes by, so but I, I can't control that. Anyway, Mike, we have some housekeeping to get through to first before we get into the show. Now, on the past episode, we reviewed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And we put the, out, the call out to the audience to go out to filmologyshow.com to vote on whether the film holds up. So I put a poll up on the face, on the website, and I said, uh, does Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1990 film hold up today? Mike, I'm very pleased with our audience. I'm disappointed in them, then. Because, because 67% of the... Uh, the our, our audience or the people who voted, sixty-seven percent said that no, the film does not hold up. I question whether or not sixty-seven percent of people read it or watched it. Which which means thirty-three percent of our audience said no, the film does not hold up. Now, once again, with that being said, you are correct. There are certain people who I know voted who have not seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I convinced them to vote. Because I didn't want to re-watch Secret of the Ooze or, for the first time, watch Turtles 3. I'm happy I don't have to do that. Everyone out there, good job. Thank you all very much. I'm very thankful and happy about that. But now that's out of the way. With that being said, I like polls. I do, I'm curious as to what people think. So, with this week being... Today, when everyone's listening to this, it's May the 4th. It's Star Wars Day. Happy May the, uh, May the 4th be with you and... All that jazz. It's Star Wars Day. So for this week, this poll questions I'm going to put up on the website, filmologyshow.com. Check under features. It'll take you to polls. I'm going to put up two polls. 
first one, which is your favorite Star Wars film? Now, I will put in all of the Star Wars films like Rogue One, uh, Solo. I'll put those two films in there. So, the entire saga plus those two films. And I'll even, even throw in Star Wars, The Clone Wars, uh, the, the movie, not the show. So, that would be thrown in there. If anyone votes for the movie, I do question you. But you're free to vote. Where does the, the movie fall? Poll... Oh, sorry to interrupt. I was just no. curious. Where does the movie fall in with the TV show? Or are they not related? Well, they are related. They just picked episodes of the TV show and made it into a movie. Yeah. But the way that the, the Clone Wars, the first two or three seasons, I think, uh, maybe even into the fourth, they weren't telling the story in chronological order. That's confusing. So, well, it's confusing, but it, it does make for some good payoffs. And I'm actually re-watching the entire show right now, uh, just because I want to... The show actually ends today when we're recording... Or today, when the episode's out. So... I mean, everyone's going to know how the Clone Wars ends. I mean, if you've seen Revenge of the Sith, you know how the wars end. But how the show itself ends. And uh, it's actually a pretty good show. I mean, there's some bad episodes, but there's some really good ones, too. So uh, I, I forgot about I forgot about how like great some of the episodes are. I keep meaning to watch it, but Disney Plus still doesn't save my spot in it. And it's driving me insane. So I don't know like oh, why they don't do that for you. They, yeah, they, they, they save my spot for everything, but I'm not sure. Are you watching it on your computer? I watch it like it doesn't matter where I watch it. I'll watch it on, on my TV, the app there, on my computer, on my phone. Never saves a spot. Yeah, I, I watched it on. Um, I watch it on my Roku, and it works just fine. Actually, uh, just to plug Disney Plus, I guess really quick uh, for everybody out there that uh, there's a show called Prop Culture, and if you're a Disney fan, it's it's a phenomenal show. Watch it. I mean, as a Disney fan myself, I wish it could be longer. But it, it's still a phenomenal show and really fun to watch. So uh, it's, uh, I believe, eight episodes, eight half-hour episodes. I, I watched the whole thing today in one city, and I was just enthralled with it. So it's really good. Anyway, uh, the second poll, I guess, speaking of Disney, is going to be which of the new sequel trilogy films is your favorite? You have, of course, Star, War Star Wars Episode Seven. Uh, the Force Awakens, Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, Star Wars Episode Nine, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, so just those three films. I'm just just curious, and I, well, actually, I'm gonna add a, four, a third poll because I'm, I'm even I'm, my curiosity is even a little higher. Um, so just this, those trilogy films, and then the third question will be which of the Disney produced Star Wars films is your favorite. So on top of that, we'll throw in Solo, a Star Wars story, and Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Um, Mike, where do you fall on? Those like those three questions. First, which is your favorite Star Wars film? Then, which is your favorite of the, the sequel, the sequel trilogy? And then, which is your favorite of the Disney produced films? Uh, my favorite of all of them, probably Empire Strikes Back. Maybe that one's tough. I was not prepared for this question. Um, I'll go with Empire Strikes Back, and then the second question was. Of the prequel trilogy? Uh, no, just uh, the, the, the second... Yeah, I mean... The, the, of the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, either Force Awakens or The Last Jedi. That one's close. I'm going to go with The Force Awakens. That one was mostly because of the nostalgia and the excitement of seeing all of that again after so many years. Um, that's a big contributor, I'm not going to lie. But I really like The Last Jedi. I also liked Rise of the Skywalker, as you know. <laughs> um, 
but it's definitely the weakest of the three. And then of the Disney produced ones, I really like Rogue One. I haven't watched Solo for a while. I should do that. I really like Rogue One. That may be my favorite of them. Maybe. I'm going to go with Rogue One for now. And I think we're lining up. Uh, my favorite Star Wars film is The Empire Strikes Back. My favorite of the produced film, the sorry, the sequel trilogy films, uh, it does flip back and forth between The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. It really depends on my mood. Uh, my mood today, I would vote for The Last Jedi. Uh, but, you know, once again, I, I, I can't stand The Rise of Skywalker. I think it completely derails that film, and I have a whole lot, lot of other issues with that. But, uh, and then my favorite of the Disney-produced films. I mean, if you would have asked me when Rogue One came out, I would have, if, how much I enjoyed the film, I would have told you, yeah, it's a good film, it has problems, but it's a good film. And the more and more I watch that film, the more and more those problems just slip away, and I just love the film. I think Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, is my favorite of the Disney-produced films. I, I do hope they can make other great films that are like that. I mean, it's a it's a war spy movie, so I, I think it's great. I'd rather have more movies like that, and even Solo, than films that retread previous films like uh, The Force Awakens or The Rise of Skywalker. And I think that's hopefully what we're going to get. I mean, they're not being really forthcoming on what's going to happen with the film franchise uh, because uh, right. I don't think they know because I think that they are baffled by the fact that not everybody loved The Rise of Skywalker. Aren't they doing um, a new era? Like a, I don't know if it's the Knights of the Republic era, if it's like a thousand years before or after. Um, the uh, they were doing... I know that they're doing a book, a new book, comics, media-centric uh, event with a whole new thing that that's set maybe a thousand, maybe a thousand years before uh, Phantom Menace. Now I have to look this up, but I know that the Game of Thrones. No, they got fired. Or or they left. It depends on how you want to look at it. They got fired. Is it just because everybody hated the last season of I'm guessing. Game of Thrones that much? I'm guessing so. I didn't. I didn't hate it. It was rushed. It wasn't perfect, but I didn't hate it. It was way overblown. I still haven't watched it, so yep. can't comment on that. Uh, put, I can tell you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm gonna put money on that. You're gonna hate it. <laughs> I'm. I'm really hoping not to hate it. I can, I can. I mean, I don't. I don't ever go into something hoping to hate it. I want to like it. I can tell you that I will most likely be purchasing. Actually, probably after this, uh, purchasing uh, HBO Go or uh, HBO Max. Excuse me, because if you pre-order, they're giving you four dollars off a month and i'm like well if i'm gonna get it anyway and if, if i can pay for the full year and i they'll give me hbo now uh, so i can watch things now i might as well do it now sir but uh that's a, that's four dollars off story. a month for the whole year from hbo max and well four dollars each month four dollars uh well i think i think it would just turn into hbo max at that point 
but I, I would get HBO Max for I think it's eleven ninety nine. It, it turns into eleven ninety nine a month instead of fourteen ninety nine. Oh yeah, not that so, bad. Cheaper than Netflix, I think. I don't remember. It's cheaper than my Netflix because I still pay for the discs. Ah. But I don't think it's cheaper than just the streaming. Unless you do like 4K and have like five screens and all that, which I don't. I have 4K. So there's that. I have like the sh- cheapest 4K one. I think it's like $15 a month or something like that. I don't remember. I just pay it. I, I, I can tell you, just talk about streaming services, but since I'm not paying for Disney Plus right now, when the time comes around that I do have to pay for Disney Plus, I'm going to be like, what? That thing costs money? It's only like $6, it's like, though. I know, but, but I, I don't. I mean, I, I, I did pay for it, but I got three years of it, so I'm not really concerned about it right now. But it, it's it's Disney, so I think we should all like be aware that it's not going to stay six ninety nine forever. Like, just look at the theme parks. It costs a hundred dollars to get into the park, like, uh, uh, and, and that's that's the the cheapest ticket's a hundred dollars. You think so. ticket prices are going to go up or down when they finally reopen? Hmm. I I don't want to take that bet. I, I I don't think they can like raise them a lot because if they want people to come, which is what they're gonna need, they need people to show up to the parks. But if they don't feel like it's safe and, and they're also paying two hundred dollars to get in per person for a family of four, I don't think they're gonna do that. Like I don't I don't think the family of four is gonna go. If they stay at the current price that they're at, I think that people will go. I mean, once again, I I have a trip planned for November. So I am going if the parks are open. Oof. I don't know. November's. I mean, hopefully this dies down a lot by November. But I don't know if I'd go to Disney, a Disney park in November. I don't know. It's scary. I, 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 I have a convention. Well, I, I'm supposed to have a convention that's going on on Disney property at that time. I did don't know if that convention's happening, but I also would like to have a room booked and my my plane tickets just in case. Versus, hey, it's happening and you have a week to know, a week to prepare. I I don't travel like that. Or, I don't usually travel like that. I I have, but I don't like to. We're way off topic here, but the world's still in chaos. That's just that's just throw that out there. We don't know what's going on with a whole bunch of film festivals. We don't know what's going on with anything. And since we're talking about news, I do want to bring this up really quick, Mike, because I'm curious as to what you th- think of this news. Uh, I'm working on a piece for the site over at filmologyshow.com, uh, and I'm just curious what you think. With AMC and Universal just having this really weird punching match back and forth, uh, I'm assuming you've read about this at some point. I know about it. AMC said they're not going to show Universal movies anymore. Correct. Yeah, but since the release of Trolls World Tour, Universal Studios came out and was talking about how great the film did on demand. A couple things there. Uh, When Universal's talking about it, they're only talking about the film in a domestic capacity. They're not talking about how the film's doing worldwide. So they're cherry-picking what they want to talk about, so that's one thing to note. But then... AMC came out and said, well, if you're not going to honor the theater windows, we're not going to show any of your theater, any of your movies at our theaters. Considering uh, AMC is, I don't know if they already filed for bankruptcy or exploring the option. I don't know if they can really turn away any big releases, to be honest. Um, You know how I feel about it. That's my point. (laughs) 
because Universal has the right. There's Universal is showing the next James Bond movie, and No Time to Die. They have the Fast and the Furious movies. I mean, which I mean, everyone's like, oh, Universal doesn't have that big of blockbusters, but. I mean, the ones that they do have, right now they have James Bond, they have Fast and the Furious, they have Jurassic Park. I mean, they do have really big money makers and films that people want to see. Now, the fact that Universe, not Universe, the fact that AMC is going to be like, no, we're not going to show your movies, we're not going to show the next Fast and the Furious movie. I mean, I don't think it's going to get to that point. I think AMC is going to have no choice but to show that movie, because if they're not going to show it, I mean... There are other locally owned theater chains. Which you should not be going to anyway. It. Just go to your local one. I hate AMC, personally. <laughs> As somebody who is an A-list member, I do like the benefit of going to all these movies and making AMC pay for them. For what, $20 a month? And if you go to, like, if I go to three movies a week, that's the $20 right there. So, if I keep on going to an AMC theater, if I go to see one IMAX movie, just one IMAX movie for that month, that one IMAX ticket is $20. I'll continue to rake, a- rake over AMC, as long as they give me that option. But I don't understand, I don't understand that. Like, what leverage does AMC have? I think the theater window chain at this moment is a joke, because they're like, oh, yeah, I mean, what are they... What are they going to do? Why are the studios going to suffer for it? AMC also has their AMC On Demand program. Is anybody out there saying, hey, you should shut down that program? If AMC can make money off of it, why can't Universal? It just doesn't make any sense to me. AMC has to get off this high horse. A, their theaters are terrible. They don't know how to show movies properly. You don't don't like 17 car commercials in front of your movies? No, I hate the 17, the, like, 17 car commercials. There is a half hour, an honest to God, half hour of movie trailers beforehand. Not counting the car commercials. So I have that. B, they're not matting their screens correctly. It's such a simple thing to do, but they refuse to do it. They don't clean their theaters. Their theaters are disgusting. Their management team, if you're in the theater and you're like, somebody's texting and talking, oh, I had somebody vaping in the theater one time, went out to talk to the manager, and they're like, oh, that's fine. And I'm like, that's not fine. It's illegal in this state. The fact that I have to go to the AMC Facebook page to complain about theater experiences that I'm having for anything to get done is terrible. I should have to go on this podcast, on the social media, to complain about how your theaters are being poorly run. You should be taking the initiative to run a good theater. Like, Mike, I, I don't I don't know. Have you ever made your way to the Alamo Draft House yet? No. I mean, it's closed, obviously, right now, but... I would hope so. I'm not gone yet, no. Maybe this You're summer. Or maybe whenever this opens again. I mean, I, I love going to the Alamo Draft House because I don't have a half hour of trailers. They will flat out ask you to leave if you're talking or if you're texting or having a guy you're vaping in their theater... You won't get asked to leave. You won't get your money back. You won't get your time back. You'll just be told, please leave. And I'd rather have an experience like that. Yes. Is the ticket price a little more? Yes, it is. But if the if the entertainment value that I'm getting is higher, I'd rather pay that extra ticket price, personally. 
I think we both know who's going to step in, though, and buy AMC if they do go under, if it comes to that, though, right? You're saying that Disney's going to come out and buy AMC? Probably. I wouldn't doubt it. And that's going to be more problematic, I think, especially for local theaters who might find it much harder to get Disney movies. I'm not going to cherry-pick this right now. AMC has been, in some ways, forcing other theaters to go under because of the bidding process that can't happen to buy... uh, not to buy, but to distribute films. So let's say certain films can only be shown within a certain radius of one another. So let's say Black Widow was supposed to come out. Now, Black Widow wouldn't be one of these films because that's too big of a budget film. But let's say something that's a little smaller budget, but uh, Black Widow. So let's say if Black Widow was supposed to come out at a movie theater, uh, here I'm recording, and then a theater that's two miles away also wanted to show it, they would have to bid on the distribution rights to show the film. It happens with the big ones. Thor, Ragnarok, it happened. It only went to the AMC here, never went to our local one. Never went to the local one, yes. But it, it does happen. And, I mean, I, I don't think... A lot of the times, AMC does have more money than those local theater chains. So they will flat out try to get those bigger films, all of the films that they can, at their cineplexes. And of course, if you're a moviegoer, or you do a podcast like this, or a website, you're going to want to go see those big movie releases. They just get more hits, they're more talked about, they're just, in some cases, more enjoyable. So, in some ways, we are forced to go to AMC, and they're raking in all that money, because eventually, if that other theater goes down, they're not going to have to pay a big price for it. Currently, where I live here uh, in my town, I only have one movie theater. So I don't have to really worry about that. But with that being said, it's a six-screen movie theater, so they don't get everything. Or if they do, sometimes something like Jojo Rabbit might just stay for one week and then leave because nobody went to see it. It's a smaller town. It's understandable. The movie theater has to make money. So It's a local movie theater, right? It's not like AMC has a six-screen theater in your hometown. Correct. It's not an AMC theater here. It is still a regional chain, but it is not the giant bohemoth that AMC theaters are. That's fair. I have no problem with like regional ones. It's like AMC is too large. I think it's like you said. It can throw money around and squeeze up the little guy to a lesser extent. It's kind of like the Walmart of the movie theater industry. I think that's exactly important because I mean. Walmart, in my opinion, offers a, a a lesser product, and they still pay the same. For I mean, I, I do pay, I do pay the same to go to my local regional theater here as I would to go to the AMC. It's the exact same ticket price. So, have I had problems at the local theater? Yes, I have. But have I had more problems at AMC? Yes. At least the local theater here in town will match the films and show them correctly versus the AMC, which really doesn't care. I just I need to state this again. AMC, your purpose is to show movies. Show them correctly. It's not a hard concept. If you if anyone out there has any thoughts on this, wants to share your thoughts on what you think of this, if I am completely in the wrong here, if you feel like I'm completely in the wrong, and that AMC Theaters is being shut out, and they're being treated 
unfairly, please please write to us. Please write to us at filmologyshow at gmail.com. I will have that piece up later in this week, but I'm just I'm curious as to what you guys think because I know how I feel. I know we have a post up on our Instagram page. I know how people on Instagram are feeling, and the majority of comments that we're getting are basically AMC Theaters is out of touch and not moving with the times. And while you're thinking about where you're watching movies, you should check to see if your local drive-in is open, because I'm pretty excited to go. I think ours open pretty soon, don't they? Is it opening? I know that they're doing, uh, I know that they're doing like graduations and stuff at the drive-in. I don't know if they're showing movies. I don't know what they'd be showing. I don't know. I'm, I might just be over-optimistic. But uh, we looked into the ones in Florida, and they were showing some movies. Like, they weren't brand new movies. But, I mean, just the drive-in experience is unique, and I really enjoy it. So, I'll double check. I'll let you know by the end of the show. No, I I, I do like the uh, I I do like drive drive in movie theaters. Obviously, so it's I'm not trying to say don't go to them. I think we should all go to them. I think we should all just support your local theaters. Support support your local mom and pop chains. But at the same time. Keep in mind that those local mom and pop chains still have to give you a good product. If they're not giving you a good product, spend your money at the places that are giving you that good product. If it happens to be the AMC in your town, I doubt it is. But if it is, give them your money. I hate to say that. but Anyway, we were talking before about Star Wars and how there's that new... Um, Oh, there's that new book series, the new event that's going to happen. It's called uh, The High Republic. It takes place 200 years before The Phantom Menace. So it's talking about when the Jedi were at their highest peak. Mike, do you have anything else to say before we actually get into the, the, get into the show properly? No, I'm good. I'm good. You guys can always find us at... Facebook at Filmology Show, Twitter Filmology Show, Instagram Filmology Show. We do keep the talks going, or the talk going over there. Instagram's going a little bit more than Facebook. Facebook does go quite a bit uh, as of right now. It, it, it's not as frequent as it should be, but it is going. So we have that. Uh, FilmologyShow.com is where you can find all of our reviews, polls, top fives. Filmology Film Madness, which we will be talking about later on in the show. So that's exciting. You can always email us once again at filmologyshow at gmail.com and we can get back to you um, with any questions or concerns you have or if you want us to read your thoughts on the air, we can do that as well. So we are going to play the trailer here for the film No Men Beyond This Point. So here is the trailer for the film streaming on Amazon Prime Video No Men Beyond This Point. By the end of 1957, three out of four babies born were coming from fatherless impregnation. And every one of those mothers gave birth to a girl. The government needs to acknowledge it, or they are going to be sorry. Women take over, guess what? We live in a world where there's no wars, and no f I'm 37 years old, and I'm the youngest man in the world. I'm gonna make the best of the opportunities that I do have because things aren't going to change. Excuse me? Can't congregate in groups more than two. Oh, come on. I have 
taken away our place in society. They will not take away our dignity. We'll see how they get along without us. Hey, Jackass! You forgot your coat! She won't Women still crave intimacy, just as we're still pairing off in order to raise our children. But there are men still out there. Uh, could we just take a small break? Of course there are women who don't want men to perish, and they're a dying breed. Just let them die off! This is an act of nature! Praise nature. They are lacing our food with estrogen, which is the girly hormone. This is just the tip of the iceberg. We'd already been hiding. This was gonna be a lot harder. If we want to change, we're gonna have to do something about it. In a world where women have become asexual and are no longer giving birth to males, a quiet, unassuming housekeeper named Andrew Myers finds himself at the center of a battle to keep men from going extinct. That is the plot synopsis for the film, the streaming film, No Men Beyond This Point. That was Mike's pick this week for our streaming uh, picks. Mike, what did you think of this film? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the message it was telling, or telling or trying to say. Um, it was a little quirky. Um, it was a little out there. I enjoyed it. I'm trying to think of something I didn't like about it. Um, I don't know. Oh, like the acting wasn't great. It's not perfect, and I can't really have. I don't have any specific actor or actress to complain about. It just wasn't super stellar. It was good enough. Um, yeah, it was not too long either. It didn't drag out at all. It's only like 180 minutes or 80 minutes, isn't it? Or like 90 minutes, something like that. So it's yeah, it's around long. an hour and a half. It's, pre it's, it's, it's a pretty breezy film. Yeah, it's light. It's fun. Um, mostly light. If, like It does tackle some more serious topics, um, but lightly like homosexuality and discriminating against them, things like that. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I picked it. It might have been... One of the better films I've picked so far. <laughs> Not that I'm saying much. What did you think about it? I think it's kind of ironic that a film called No Men Beyond This Point is still really all about men. I really think that's kind of ironic. Unless it's something that it's trying to say about sexuality or racism here in America. I don't know. But I, I just think it's kind of weird how it's... It's still about that. Um, it's still about men. It was supposed to be weird. about the youngest man. Like, it's supposed to be a documentary, a fake documentary about it. So it kind of makes sense. It's supposed to be talking about... The documentary is supposed to be talking about how men are going extinct. I mean, once again, it's, it, this, this film here, it's breezy, it's fine. It is talking about subjects that... I mean, it, once again, it's a mockumentary. So it's, it's poking fun at... Uh, how gender stereotypes are in America and how uh, we can uh, generalize people or characterize people and things like that. I think it's a film that should be seen. Do I think it's the best film you've picked, Mike? No, I don't. Do I think it's the worst? No. Heaven forbid, no, I don't. <laughs> so, uh, I just... Do I think that the running length of the film... Even with being an hour and a half, I thought the film was going 
a bit too long. It was dragging certain parts off and just not having anything to really say. Uh, when I think of like great mockumentaries like This is Spinal Tap, really, I think <laughs> This is Spinal Tap, I mean, that's, I think, of course, the best mockumentary film out there, or uh, What We Do in the Shadows. It's another good one. This film doesn't even come close to that, which I think is a little worrisome to me, because like uh, unlike uh, What We Do in the Shadows and The Spinal Tap, this film here is trying to actually say something versus just providing good entertainment. And if I feel if I if I personally feel that the film can't hold the uh, hold support the running length of the film, it just it falls flat. I just. What would you have cut from it? I really, once again, once I, I I hate playing film editor with projects because it's not. As somebody who went to school for film editing, it's kind of something that I just do, but. Really, it's just cutting out like a couple of the science bits here or there. It's it's not cutting out the whole thing because you need the you obviously need that to explain kind of what's going on, but you don't need the same point brought over and over again by just different people. It it, it doesn't. It, it's helping you reinforce your thesis of the film, but it's not making it more engaging for me to listen to. This isn't, once again, it's not my favorite mockumentary. It wouldn't even be anywhere close to my favorite documentaries. My favorite documentaries are things that just show me what's going on instead of telling me. And when this film is doing that, there are instances where the film's doing that. But I, the film obviously is also a lower budget film, so it can't show me everything. It does just have to do like in, talking headed interviews of what's going on. Years ago, we did our top five documentaries list in. Um, Oh, I can't. Uh, the, the film *Night and Fog*, I believe, was my number one film, uh, which is about the, the 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 Holocaust and the concentration camps. And that's that's not even a half an hour, a half hour film, but that film moved me immensely because all it's doing is showing me images of the concentration camps after the Allied forces finally uh, were able to get into them, and just the horrible nature and the ways that those people were treated and killed in those concentration camps i i just this film the, the, this film isn't on as heavy a subject as the world war ii and and the genocide of thousands upon thousands of people but it's still this the subject of no men beyond this point i feel is more relevant to where we are right now with society so it sh it should have spoke more to me. It's not. I, I. I'm sorry that it's not. I don't know exactly why it's not, uh, but it's not. Do you have any other thoughts on this film before we give our ratings here, Mike? Oh, I kind of like the sciencey parts though. Just to counterpoint you, it kind of made me feel like it was more of a legitimate documentary, I guess. And I kind of was curious what if like what would have caused. Or at least in that world, what would have caused the men to stop being born, things like that. So I kind of enjoyed that, but I didn't think that was too much. But, uh, yeah. I imagine you want my rating now, yeah? yeah yep, so once again, here at uh, here on Filmology, or at Filmology, we do a rating system for each film. See it, rent it, skip it, let it burn. Let it burn means that everybody involved with the film... From the director and producers to the caterers should be put into film purgatory and not be allowed to 
make another film or be involved with another film for the foreseeable future. Mike, where do you stand on No Man Beyond this point? I'm going to say rent it. I mean, it's worth at least a single watch uh, if you have an extra 90 minutes laying around and want to watch something a little quirky. I mean, it's kind of funny. Um, I enjoy the male leader character of the Men's Liberation Army, I think it was. It's kind of weird and out there. Uh, I enjoyed it. Go with friend it. I'll enjoy it. Yeah. And amazingly enough, actually, we're on the same we're on the same page with our grading. I I do think it's a rent it. I don't think there's anything in this movie that is so bad that it shouldn't be seen. I just don't think there's any reason to rush out to see the film. I think it's one of those films that's perfect for streaming. You can put it on. Uh, as much as I hate to say, half pay attention to a film. I mean, you have pay attention to it. Just listen to it. Maybe while you're folding laundry, doing dishes, something like that. I think this is a good film for something of that nature. Uh, if you agree or disagree with our thoughts on An Old Man Beyond This Point, feel free to email us at filmologyshow at gmail.com. We are going to roll right on to our next review here, which is the Netflix film All Day and a Night. So here is the trailer for All Day and a Night. People say they want to know why. But they really don't. Hey, Jack My father taught me how to take your life out on everybody else. It's doggy man out there. If you don't learn that in here, he ain't gonna make it. My son won't be nothing like you. I can't see even in plain sight. Yo, old man used to run pretty tough. Yeah. Some people try to escape. Get away from a world that wasn't safe. I got something to tell you. Well, what's up? I'm pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to have nothing to give. You want to give everything. You about to have a baby, but ain't trying to make no money. Yeah, I know you got a couple bodies on you. If you're hungry, I'm going to put you to work. How about tonight? Just like JD was, I'm done with you! What did you do, Jacob? Your father wanted everything for you. And now you have a son and you ain't even gonna try. If you had all day and a night to understand your life, where would you begin? A young man who committed a homicide deals with the repercussions of his actions. That is the plot synopsis for the new Netflix film, All Day and a Night. The film was directed and written by Joel Robert Cole. It stars Ashton Sanders, Isaiah John, and Jeffrey Wright. This was a film that I... I it was new to Netflix, so I thought, hey, let's kind of continue watching some new Netflix-produced films. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. I do think, Mike, once we get to the point of filmology, film madness being done, 
we should go back to doing some top five lists. I think the top five list that we need to do is top five Netflix films. With a quick spoiler being that the film here that we are talking about, All Day and a Night, will not be anywhere close to being on the top five of that list. Uh, I picked this film because it had, really, really for one big reason, it had Jeffrey Wright in it. I'm a big fan of Jeffrey Wright. He was, he's been in the Hunger Games films, he was in Casino Royale, he's been in Westworld, uh, he's going to be on uh, that new Netflix animated series, What If. I, 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 I like him. Usually he's a good presence in a film. And if I like an actor in a film, usually I'll see, seek out the film. It's just, you know, what I do. I like to see what, how they pick projects and what they do. This, for me, came off as a film that... Because every now and then there's these lower budget films that need to get one big name attached to it in order to get funding. That's exactly what this film felt, felt like to me. It felt like Jeffrey Wright was just, I mean, not that Jeffrey Wright's like a, a, a Chris Evans or um, a Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, I mean, any other Avengers, the core Avengers uh, team. He's not like that. But he's still respectable enough in film communities that people would throw money at the project. Um, another uh, film I can think of that I, I saw um, and the director flat out said was the film wouldn't, wouldn't have got funding without Anthony Mackie was uh, The Defeat of Mr. and Pete, which Anthony Mackie's in, and I mean, the director flat out said that the film wouldn't have, <laughs> the film wouldn't have been made without somebody like that coming onto the film. And once again, I mean, I think Jeffrey Wright and Anthony Mackie are kind of in the same bubble. I don't think anybody puts Anthony Mackie or Jeffrey Wright as their top, in their top five uh, actors lists. But they're both phenomenal actors, don't get me wrong. Uh, but this film, I was hoping they would talk about things like the cycle of violence, what neighborhoods are like in certain communities, and certain, just how this thug street lifestyle, like what you have to do to survive, things like that. And I never got that from this film. It just was, it, it's tough to watch, but the film, nothing in the film came across as authentic to me uh, versus films like Waves and Moonlight, which tackle some of the same subjects of this film. And they, those films feel like a nice breath of fresh air versus this one, which shows up to the party a half hour before it's going to end and like, hey guys, I'm here. Like, it's, it's a brand new day. I'm like, it's not a brand new day. You've like missed out the whole thing. Go home. You're drunk. That's what this film felt like to me. And I wanted to like it. Obviously, I put it on the schedule. I thought it would be an interesting film to talk about. But it's two hours of my life that I'm never getting back. And I, I need to state, once again, that the film is not terrible or even bad. It's just things that we've all seen before. And how often do I want to continuously watch the same plot of a movie, but told to me in a lesser way it's not something i want to look up look for in films it's not something i believe our audience wants to look for in films but mike you might have a completely different thought on this film so what do you think of all day and a night i regret watching it <laughs> it's not bad um but like you said it's two hours of movie that i feel like i've seen already before and i've seen better and obviously i'm probably maybe i'm not the demographic netflix or the producers were aiming for but there's so much, so much, so many better movies out there tackling the same subjects, and um, 
showing like the gangster lifestyle, things like that. That's what you're looking for from it. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of kind of regretted watching it. I don't know. I like I completely agree with pretty much everything you said. Um, trying to think of something to disagree with you on. Like the acting was good, I guess it was fine. I, don't, I just didn't feel like there was a good payoff in the end either. Or I, don't, I did not like it. I think I might give this a lower score than you. Maybe we'll see how this goes. Yeah, once again, I'm not. I need to stress this. This is not the worst Netflix produced film. This is not the worst film I've seen this year. This isn't the worst film I've seen for this podcast. This is just a disappointing film. And for that reason, I do have to give it a skip it. I can't give it a let it burn because the film, the film at least is in the director and writer's point of view is trying to say something. I just don't believe that they're succeeding at it. So would I rather have a failed attempt at a project that's trying to actually make the audience think? Yes, I would. Versus a film like an Adam Sandler comedy that's just played out and done. I'd rather take this film all day and the night versus a film like Sandy Wexler. So for that reason, I'm giving this a skip it. I'm going to say skip it as well. If you want to watch a film like this, go watch like maybe Fruitville Station, I guess, or like South Central from the early 90s. That was also good. That was a better movie, and I think it'd be more worth your time and be in the same vein of this movie. And Fruitvale Station is a phenomenal film. Phenomenal performance by uh, Michael B. Jordan. I, I, it's, it's hard to find a film that Michael B. Jordan's in that he gives a bad performance. The fact that this actor, this man, doesn't have an Oscar yet, it just kind of blows my mind. He's, he's phenomenal in everything he's in. So uh, the Oscar can't be that far away. We'll see how it goes. What's he co- got coming out this year? I have no idea. What does anybody have coming exactly. out this year? Is anything coming out this year? Yeah. At this point, what we're gonna have to give the Oscar to no one. Oh, Will Smith, Bad Boys Three, Bad Boys for Life. Forgot what it's called for a second. Bad Boys for Life. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do like Bad Boys for Life. Uh, that still isn't my number one movie of the year, uh, as I talked about last week's show. I talked about The Lodge. Uh, the Lodge is my favorite movie of the year so far, and I think it's phenomenal. I think everybody should watch it. But nobody's going to, so that doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> it's a little tiny horror film that nobody cares about. Is that the one with Carrie uh, Russell? No, that's something else. No, no, no that's, that's Antlers, I believe, which is another film that's... Because uh, it's... Uh, oh, it, it wasn't done by Disney, but it, it was done by Fox. It was done by Fox uh, Searchlight, who, of course, Disney now owns... Uh, so the film, <laughs> the film was taken off the release schedule and not given a new release date or any mention to what's going on with it. So that might be the new, uh, new mutants going forward, because um, new mutants is is never coming out apparently. <laughs> oh, I don't know why they don't just release that to Hulu because they've spent so much money just advertising a false date at this point. Alright, so if you agree or disagree with any of our thoughts on Old Day and a Night, you can email them to us at filmologyshow at gmail.com. Mike, we are going to roll right on in here now. We're going back to Filmology Film Madness. We're going to talk about which two films are going head-to-head to figure out which film is the best of the 2010s. So we are going to play a clip here. 
from one of those films that's going to be moving on, and we'll be right back to talk to you after the break. Five years ago, we lost. All of us. We lost friends. We lost family. We lost a part of ourselves. Today, we have a chance to take it all back. You know your teams, you know your missions. Get the stones, get them back. One round trip each, no mistakes, no do-overs. Most of us are going somewhere we know. That doesn't mean we should know what to expect. Be careful. Look out for each other. This is the fight of our lives. And we're gonna win. Whatever it takes. Good luck. He's pretty good, that. Right? All right. All right. So we are back with Phomology Film Madness. And if you guys want to follow along with us, you can always go to phomologyshow.com. We have a link up on the homepage. And if you go to features, there is a tab there that says Phomology Madness. Click that and it will take you over to the bracket system and the polls. Uh, so there's only going to be one poll up this upcoming round for round six. But we do have to talk about round five, which we had two films, uh, four films, obviously. Uh, two matches uh, so we had spider-man into the spider-verse versus la la land mike which film do you think will be moving on spider-man championship round? sorry i got excited <laughs> yeah, no, spider spider-man into the spider-verse is moving on was it close uh, i will talk about the the results of the actual polls in just a second i want to get to the next round here which was arrival versus Avengers Endgame. Arrival with the upset. It is Avengers Endgame. <laughs> Very good, Mike. <laughs> For a second there, I thought you were going to be like, that, that is true. And now I got really excited. I was like, oh no. So, every, bo both films, I know this is going to upset you. Both films won with 100% of the vote. Nobody voted for Arrival, and nobody voted for La La Land. Now, this wasn't the highest round. We didn't have as many people voting for round five here as we did for uh, round two, actually, was the one that we had the highest number of people voting on. Uh, but it, it wasn't like we only had 10 people voting. We still had a good, significant amount of people voting on both of these to get a sense of which film would be going on to the next round. So, here we are. I mean, the championship round, Mike. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse versus Avengers Endgame. They're both films that have helped define the comic book genre in the 2010s. Which, I mean, the 2010s, that's, that is basically the year of... The decade. The, the, not the year. The decade of the comic book film. Uh, it, it, it just swept over. It's making the, the box office... It, it's just inflating the box office to all these great numbers. And... Telling, in some cases, phenomenal stories. Which film do you think is better here? Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse or Avengers Endgame? Uh, Endgame, probably. It has more of a payoff, I think, especially considering the 10 years of history leading up to it. We're going to go with Endgame. Everything about it was just... There's nothing wrong with Into the Spider-Verse. It's one of my favorite movies. 
Um, I don't remember my rankings anymore uh, off the top of my head, but I know it was up there. But Endgame pretty much defined the decade, like you said, or finished, or represents what basically the highest grossing movies of the entire decade. And I think it'll win. I think it'll be close, though. I'm hoping it's close. Hopefully no more zero showings. Hopefully someone votes for Spider-Man so it doesn't get zero. Because it does deserve some votes, but I don't think it'll win. I don't think there there is a way that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is going to get zero percent of the vote. I I don't know. These are both films that I think are phenomenal. I think that they both changed the comic book genre. If it is a genre of film, I think it changed it for the better. If you're going to ask me which film, I think just slightly one up, one up to the other to tell a more cohesive story. I have to go with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. For this one reason. As much as I love Avengers Endgame, and I've talked about it ad nauseum over a lot of shows here now. I think that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse tells a better story with its one film. I don't know of anybody who can go into Avengers Endgame with only seeing Avengers Endgame and coming out feeling moved by that story. I think the story of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that anybody can wear the mask is a phenomenal message that should be taught to countless of children growing up. It's not... We don't live in the world of... It's just the white Peter Parker that we've all just been fed for all these years. We have the Latino, African-American, Miles Morales who can be... uh, Spider-Man. We have uh, the rock drummer Gwen Stacy. The 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 I can't talk. We have the rock drummer woman uh, Gwen Stacy who can be Spider Gwen or Ghost Spider or Spider Man, whatever you want to call her. Who cares? It's what you do with that power. It's the whole point of with great power comes great responsibility. And I think that's a message that we need more in the world now. Don't get me wrong, everybody. I love Avengers Endgame. But if I had to pick one film that I could show my kids growing up to be like, this is what you guys should be like. This is You always have to get back up. Always fight for what you believe. Always be true to yourself. And just fight for what's right. It's going to be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Now, with that being said, I really hope, because they, they moved the sequel date back now, for the sequel, I hope that that film doesn't come out and just ruin my admiration for this film. Because I'm voting for it. I, it. I'm saying it here on the podcast. It's going to be out there now forever. That Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, to me, is better and should move on versus Avengers Endgame. I, I, I'm curious as to where you guys and our audience vote. Which film do you think is better? Which film helped define the decade? Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse, or Avengers Endgame? Sound off with your votes at filmologyshow.com. And we'll go from there. Next week we will be talking about the results. We will finally crown a champion. Mike, isn't that great? I'm super excited. These are the two movies 
I think we've been saying it for a few weeks that we're probably the favorites when we got here. It's like the number one seeds in the NCAA men's basketball tournament facing off against each other. Maybe I just missed March Madness because we didn't have it this year. But I'm super excited. I want to know who wins. I'm going to even post this on my social media accounts to make sure people vote because I'm forgetting to do that the last few weeks. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, once again, I, no, no matter who wins, I think, obviously, a great film is going to win. Definitely. But I just, I just feel I, like Endgame encapsulates the decade more than Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse could have came out, assuming the technology and everything was there, like 10 years ago, or 10 years in the future, and it still would be a great movie, but Endgame managed to live up to so much hype and to cap off the 22 movies or 23 movies i forget so well i believe 22 i believe spider-man was 23 yeah so anyway yeah so it just managed to do so much with so much expectations on it i think that's why that's why i'm giving it the edge for sure i'm excited though and once again once again if i'm judging this like if you're like which from the past 20 years is better well then i'm like okay i can say avengers endgame because i mean the Marvel Cinematic Universe started in 2008 with Iron Man. But that's that's not the question. And if I'm looking at which film, just that film, just that one film is better, I, I there's no way I can ever think of Avengers Endgame without thinking of Avengers Infinity War. I mean, they are in many ways a part one and a part two. I, I, I love it. As I've mentioned before, I went and saw... Endgame five to, uh, five times in the theater. I saw it five times. I loved it. I spent I spent fifteen hours of my life in a month watching the movie in the theater. And that was only the first day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I just Spider Man in the Spider Verse. I just I love the unique animation styles of the film. I it's it's as much as I lo- have loved the MCU films, Spider Verse is the first film that I could honestly say is a comic book brought to life like an actual comic book now just taking inspiration from the comic book um, the comic books but it actually like it, i'm actually opening up with a comic book and it's like man i i've seen the exact same thing on these panels that are up on the screen and it's just i loved it i i can't get over my joy for it and i don't under, I, I still can't understand why I don't want to say it had like a below low box office, but it it didn't have like a ginormous box office. A lot of people didn't go to see it, so I I I'm sorry for all those people who were for some reason turned off by the animation of it, because I know there were people out there who were. I think you're mistaken, and you're gonna have to move on with your life because I mean the world's changing, which is great. I think we're all happy about that. And we'll see what happens here with the vault. We'll see what happens. Once again, filmologyshow.com. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse versus Avengers Endgame. I think your uh, billion-dollar bias is affecting your <laughs> your, uh, your perception of Into the Spider-Verse's box office. It made almost $400 oh, million. Dollars. That's, that's really how much, well, let, me, let, me, let me change it. How much did it make domestically? Uh, 190.2. Okay, me. It, it made more than I thought it did. But, I mean, maybe my billion-dollar bias is uh, taking effect, but you also have Avengers, uh, not Avengers, but Spider-Man Far From Home, which made a billion dollars. I mean, there's a $600 million difference there. I mean, it's an MCU movie. Didn't they have, like, you? Aren't they on, like, a streak of all of them hitting a billion dollars? Since, like... All of them last year made a billion dollars. Yeah. 
And, I mean, at this point, if Disney markets Black Widow correctly, and they're making it like the giant, hey, come back to theaters movie, like, come back, it's safe, the world wants to connect around this one event, which, at this point, let's be honest, when the world reopens and we have something, it's going to be either a sporting event or a blockbuster movie that the world is going to rally behind. Unless, uh, unless it's a football game or a baseball game, I don't think the world's going to rally around anything else. Uh, for sporting, sports-wise, I don't think it's going to be a giant wrestling match, and I don't think it's going to be the NBA finals or anything with that. I, I That might be my personal bias. I think the NBA, I hate professional basketball. Wow. I, think it- I, I love college basketball. Love it. But uh, there's they don't play any defense in... NBA basketball. You stretch the playoffs. The playoffs, they play more defense. Um, well. But I think a side tangent, unrelated, since you brought up the NBA, I think if they do like some kind of tournament, it could be the NBA coming back. I don't see the NFL doing it. I think NFL will obviously get a ton of uh, like attention because it always gets a ton of attention in the sporting world. But I think the NBA switches it up and says the season's over. We're going to forget about that. We're going to do some kind of like March Madness type style tournament i think that would no, be if, they, if they did that I, I would be more invested in the M- nba i would I, I think that tournaments are just kind of the more fun that's why done, i wish yeah. that I, I really wish that this playoff system we have for ncaa uh, for football i wish it would be an actual playoff the way that it is right now is kind of a joke in my opinion but the only reason i watch college the, football is because it always feels like a joke it's always they have obvious bias in the polls. It seems like. Oh, see, I love college. I love college football. So, yeah. we'll agree to disagree. Oh, but if, you, if you're talking about the playoffs, then yes, they, there's obvious bias. But if, like actual games, I love watching actual. Oh, games. yeah, I meant like the organization above it, not the actual games itself. The reason I don't watch it okay. is because of the organization. Anyway, that's off topic. Off topic. But at some point, there will be a giant event of some sort that the world is going to rally behind. I'm hoping that it is Black Widow. Who knows if it's going to be. I just think that the world needs a something to feel good about. And, I mean, looking at the box office and my personal opinion on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, those are feel-good movies. Those are something that you just... I shouldn't say all of them, obviously. End, uh, not Endgame, but Infinity War. It's not that feel good of a film. Um, but for the most part, those films are just meant to cleanse your palate, to make you just have some faith in humanity again. And uh, either Black Widow or even Mulan could be that film, now that they've moved into the heights to next year. Which I was really hoping would be that film, but it's not. So... I don't think anyway, it would be that film if it came out. I think Black no, Widow has the I, best I, no, chance. Are you, are you, huh? I think Black Widow has the best chance. Well, once again, it depends on how it's marketed. But I think that Into the Heights would have been a ginormous hit if it was marketed correctly. It all depends on how this is marketed. And, and I hate to say this, but force-fed to people. Like, if they're told, hey, this is the biggest like feel-good movie of the year, people are going to go in thinking it's the best feel-good movie of the year. Sure. And I, I mean, Into the Heights might be a little bit, I, I really don't want to say uh, divisive, but there are, it will be because it is talking about the dreamers and everything like that, which there's a certain segment of 
America who, for some reason, doesn't seem to understand that our country was founded on immigrants. But let's not get into that. <laughs> no, let's not. Let's go something more lighthearted. This thing of something, I don't want to say amusing, but interesting I find, is that you still see the Black Widow toys hitting the shelves. And, like, the product marketing for, like, Wonder Woman still hitting the shelves, like, on Doritos and everything, which I find amusing. I wonder if that's well. It, it, it's so it's so hard to stop a marketing machine like uh, Vanity Fair, uh, Entertainment Weekly. Like they had all those cover stories and all everything ready to go, and they're still coming out on time. Like James Bond, there's there's a a whole bunch of marketing, a big marketing push in the trades for that film. Like the week it was supposed to come out, uh, I. I hope that those stories are reprinted when these films actually do come out, because I believe that there is a hunger and excitement for them, uh, especially the big films like uh, Wonder Woman, Black Widow, and James Bond. I mean, they're people are excited. I'm excited. I will go countless number of times to the theater, mainly because the theater is going to be open, and as long as it's safe, I'm going to be like, where have you been? I've missed you. I'm never going to take you for granted again. Unless you're an AMC theater who's still not going to do things correctly. But if I go to the local theater here in my town or the Alamo Draft House, I will be like, yes, I'm home again. It feels great. Hopefully I'm, uh, safe. Soon. It, it be, hopefully safe. I mean, I will take the chance of going to a film like, let's say, if, if, if Disney were to say, hey... I mean, I know, I know Black Widow has a November release date now. But let's say if they were, if it, for some reason, had an August release date, I'd be like, you know what, I'll go. I'm just going to buy all the seats around me and not have anybody sit near me. <laughs> but I'll take a chance. I'll, I mean, that's, that's what, like, easy 50 bucks that they just made based off one person. I don't think but that's going to that get... the norm at all. I don't think people are going to spend 50 bucks. <laughs> Well, um, they don't want to see the movie as badly as I do, and I would love to see Black Widow. So, uh, and I really hate people sitting next to me in theaters in general, so that's just a little thing I don't like. But, anyway, we are going to play the trailer here for the 1974 film, The Conversation. So, we're going to roll the trailer for that, and we'll see you on the other side to talk about that film. This is a world of hidden mics and two-way mirrors. A world where nothing is private. You think we can do this? Later in the week. Harry Call is an expert. The best there is. Let me tell you something about Harry Call. The best bar none. I'll drink to that. The best what? The best bugger on the West Coast. What about me? He can bug anybody, anytime, anywhere. Nobody knows how you did it, though, Harry. It was the hell of a scandal, too. Look, did you see him? The man with the hearing aid, like Charles. He's been following us all They're not people to him, just voices. Three people were murdered, that's all. He doesn't know them, and they don't know him. Uh, it had nothing to do with me. I mean, I just turned in the tapes. Bless me, Father, for I've sinned. I've been involved in some work that I think 
I think it'll be used to hurt these two young people. No irresponsible. I, I'm not responsible. I... You're not supposed to feel anything about it. You're just supposed to do it. Be careful, Harry. You're just supposed to listen. Not look. Not feel. Not care. There is nothing private about the conversation. Listen. My name is Harry Call. Can you hear me? A paranoid, secretive, surveillance expert has a crisis of confidence when he suspects that the young couple he is spying on will be murdered. That is the plot synopsis for the 1974 film... The Conversation, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, starring Gene Hackman. This was the this was the streaming film that I picked this week that was streaming on Amazon Prime. It has been on my watch list and my like my shame list. I have a film I have a list of hundred films over up on the website filmologyshow.com. That's hundred films that I am ashamed I have not seen. I wish that I felt a sense of like levity being lifted off my shoulders with me watching this film. But that did not happen. I The film is good. It, it's a good little thriller. But this is, this is yet another film, which is two hours, and I just don't feel like it's supported the two-hour running length. I really hate to be that person now... Who's like, no, I want a good, lean, hour and a half film. I love films that usually take their time, breathe, tell a good story. But this film wasn't one that did that for me. I think Gene Hackman is great. I think there are definitely aspects of the film that are great. But at the same time, it hits the same beats for like the, the middle chunk of the film over and over again. And I'm just like, I, I, do we have to keep hitting the same notes? Just hit it once. It's a character. It's a character moment. It's a character beat. You, you you do it over three or four times. It's excessive, and you're pounding it into my head, saying, "Did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it?" I'm like, "Yeah, I got it." But you're just beating me into submission instead of letting me enjoy the film. Coppola is honestly a phenomenal filmmaker. I don't think anyone's going to deny that. I mean, The Godfather, The Godfather Part Two are phenomenal films. Even Apocalypse Now. I mean, some people don't like that, but it's still a phenomenal piece of filmmaking. I don't think that this is in that same caliber of filmmaking. I think it's still great. I think it's still enjoyable to watch. Do I think that my own expectations of this film are slightly diminishing what the film is 
actually is. Yes, I do. I think I'll have to rewatch this film at some point. But as of right now, I don't think that this is the cinematic gem I was hoping for. Mike, uh, what are your thoughts on this film? And had, have you seen this uh, film before? No, I never heard of it before. Um, so my, I had no expectations going into it. Um, but I thought it was really slow. <laughs> I agree. It hit a lot of the same points over and over again. And I could see maybe when it first came out. I forgot what year it was. Oh, 1974. 74, sorry. 74. Um, maybe like the spy tech was a little more exciting back then. But... I mean, nearly 50 years later, it's kind of like, ooh, you have a pen that can record conversations or broadcast, or like it has a microphone in it, basically. It, it seems really dated, and a lot of it seems really dated. Um, the, like, the core story was good. Um, Gene Hackman's character trying to prevent the murder or trying to figure out what's going on there. I enjoyed seeing uh, Harrison Ford, pre-Star Wars, in it. He did well. I mean, all the acting was pretty much was on point for the most part. Um, honestly, I was just kind of bored by it. I can see in 1974 it might have been more exciting for me, but I think my expectations for a thriller... I personally like my thrillers a little more fast-paced, and I like my spy movies to be more high-tech, I guess. I don't know. It, just, it didn't age well for me, I suppose. I want to, I want to just state this really quick. You were talking about the technology and everything of the film. Mm-hmm. 1962, we had Dr. No. 1963, From Russia with Love. 1964, Goldfinger. 1965, Thunderball. 1967, You Only Live Twice. 1969, Honor Majesty's Secret Service. 1971, Diamonds Are Forever. And 1973, Live and Let Die. Now, I'm not saying that all of those films on a social level, especially when you're talking about the uh, Sean Connery films, hold up. There are really dated aspects of those films that should they're definitely not the social norm or should they be the social norm uh but those are still entertaining i mean they're definitely entertaining and fun films to watch and the technology in those films was better than the technology here i believe um in uh, the conversation uh, some of the technology in those films is a little more far-fetched than this one this one does seem a little more down and dirty realistic but I, I just, I, 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 this is going to come across as sounding like I don't like slow moving dramas or thrillers. Because I do. I liked uh, Tinky Taylor Soldier Spy that came out like 2011, I believe. I like that film. I just, this specific one didn't do it for me. I just, and even like the, the, the last bit of the film uh, where they're like, oh, we'll be listening. I'm like, okay, cool. He's tearing up their apartment. I'm like, what? This is like 10 minutes and he's still tearing up their apartment? And the movie! Uh, before we move on, I just want to know, did you remember, do you memorize all those release dates for those doc- or James Bond movies? Or were you reading off something? I, just, I'm just I, I was reading off something. I, I knew okay. when Dr. No came out, but I, I, I didn't know the rest of them. Uh, uh- I was curious, but I, yeah, I agree. I did actually. I don't. I haven't watched those James Bond movies for a long time, so I don't remember the tech in there. Um, was one of the well, I, I, though? So, I I was uh, working on a James Bond project before they moved the release date, so I, I had been going through the James Bond uh, films, uh, and I, I I love those films. I mean, from Russia with Love, a lot of people call it a slow moving film, and from Russia with Love is one of my favorite Bond films. I couldn't imagine 
the Bond character without the, that film. Uh, and this is just... <laughs> I was I was just... I, I wanted to like this. I like Gene Hackman. I actually really love Gene Hackman in the Superman films, which, uh, I mean, playing Lex Luthor, I love him in that. I mean, he's, he's having a ball, and he looks like he's having fun. I hope he actually was having fun during those shoots. Why else do I know Gene Hackman? I, I mean, I know him from Runaway Jury, which is a film that I like that I understand most people don't, uh, based off of the John Grisham novel. The, what, uh, what else is Gene? Much better and still pretty relevant movie, Enemy of the State with Will Smith. Oh, I forgot that he was saying. Uh, that's a little more of a popcorn thriller, but yeah, I, I do like that. I mean, it holds up better. It's newer, too. But, but yeah. He's good in that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's good. I, I actually think that might be some of the reason why he got that job. Now that if you if you're thinking about it, it makes sense. Like I like I said, I didn't know about the movie we were viewing right now um, before I watched Enemy of the State. But while you were talking, uh, it kind of clicked in my head. That's where I'll send you Gene Hackman from. Well, it just clicked to me like that. That movie, the Enemy of the State, is a. Uh, uh, a, a different take on the story here told in the conversation and I can't believe I'm going to say this but I enjoyed the Tony Scott I think it's yeah Tony Scott film a lot more than I enjoyed this film if it's not a Tony Scott film uh, I apologize but it, it has the same tone of a Tony Scott film so uh, I'd be surprised if it's not where do you stand here on your rating or where do I stand that's, that's this is a hard question because is the film good? Yes, it's good. But does it drag? Yes, it drags. Does it beat you into submission at points? Yes, it does. Do, do I want a film that does that? No, I don't. So at the end of the day, I have to give this a rant it because I do think it should be seen. I think there are aspects that are good. I think it's 20 minutes too long. I think that the performance given by Gene Hackman is good. I mean, he's... It's... I, I just had to wonder, though, at the end of the day, why he just doesn't get a different job, because he's, he clearly, I mean, while being good at his job, he just doesn't find enjoyment in it, it doesn't seem, and just find a different job. Just, just, I mean, he's, he's, he's little, stuck where he is now. Mentally unbalanced. That's what I got off of it. Was, well, he's very mentally yeah. unbalanced, but I just... I was being polite. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a granted. I, I do understand why people are infatuated with this film. I'm just not one of those people. So for me, it's a granted. I'm going to say skip it. Um, it's outdated. There's, I mean, it was, there were good performances, like you said, but I'm not super, I wasn't super thrilled about pretty much anything else. Act, I mean, besides the acting was good. The, I mean, technically the movie was fine, but you can, like I said, watch Enemy of the State instead. Skip it and watch Enemy of the State. I prefer that one. Unfortunately, it's not streaming anywhere, so I can't make us watch it next week. Dang it! Yeah, I mean, I, I have seen Enemy of the State. It's been a, it's been a good while since I've seen it, uh, but I, I remember enjoying that movie more than this. But I can't, I can't do the same thing that you're doing and saying, "Hey, go out and see it." But I mean, guys, uh, if you want to email us, tell us which film you enjoy more, uh, Enemy of the State or the Conversation. Email us at filmologyshow at gmail .com. Or if you want to tell us why you do like this film, I know that there is a giant film community out there that does love the conversation let us know what you think of the film at filmologyshow at gmail.com we are gonna now start to wrap up this week's show mike 
which we have, once again, three films we're going to be watching for next week's show. We have two streaming picks, one that I'm picking and one that Mike's picking. They have to be streaming on Amazon, Prime Video, Hulu, or Netflix. Mike, which film did you pick and where is it streaming? I'm going to let you pick first and I'm going to base mine off of what you picked. You're going to let me pick. Okay, well, I picked a film. I, I know I've been kind of going back and forth with picking films that are either important to me or films that I, sh- I just should have seen and I haven't gotten to. I'm picking a film that's not important to me and I have seen. Now, you might ask, why am I picking this film then? I'm picking this film because it critical audiences loved it when it came out. But I did not. This film came out actually the same year that I started working for Filmology. It came out in 2013. So it's a film that I have seen. I have a review of. That film is Francis Ha. The Noah Baumbach film. It is on... And, uh, it is on Netflix. So if you have... I could keep one of this on Amazon Prime. If it's on Netflix, Francis Ha is uh, the film I'm picking for next week's show. That didn't help me at all. <laughs> um, I'm going to pick... Which one do I really want to watch? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick... I'm going to pick uh, Stigmata from 1999. It was part of the... Do you know what... You've heard of that movie, I take it? Spigmata? Stigmata. Uh, no, I do, I do not know anything about this film. Um, around the 2000 year, uh, a lot of movies came out talking about like the end of the world, basically. You've seen, have you heard of Arnold Schwarzenegger's End of Days? No. Johnny Depp's in. I've heard of I've heard of the sixth, not the sixth sense, the sixth day. No, that's completely different. Anyway, around this well, time, a lot of movies came out about like. Um, the Antichrist and things like that. Stigmata's kind of like that. Um, a woman starts experiencing stigmata. Do you know what stigmata is? For those people who don't know, it's the wounds of Christ start appearing on her hands and I believe her ankles for when he was crucified. It's a it's kind of a horror movie. Um, but I have a thing for... I really enjoy like the supernatural mixed with modern day kind of exorcist type stuff. So we're going to see if stigmata holds up. I haven't watched it for... 15, 20 years probably um, since I watched it when it came out. But I'm looking forward to it. It has worked out Where so well in the past. Pro- oh, Amazon Prime is when it's on. It's Amazon Prime. Uh, yeah, I... You, you, you were talking there and I, I was like, yeah, you, the, things that you're, the things that you're talking about, I'm interested in. Uh, if you haven't... Have you seen Rosemary's Baby? Um, a long, long time ago. And that, for me, is one of my all-time favorite horror films. So that might come up now later. It gives me an idea of something else we could watch. Uh, but the third film that we're going to talk about, it is not a film that is streaming yet on Amazon Prime or Netflix or anything right now. Uh, it doesn't come out till Friday. So when you guys hear this show, you guys will have the chance to see it. On VOD, Mike, you and I, we are going to take a look at the musical remake of Valley Girl. Have you seen the original film uh, starring Nick Cage? I don't think so. I haven't either. But let me tell you, if, if there's anything that you or the audience should know, is if they don't already, I love musicals. So 
I thought, hey, it's an 80s musical. I have a guilty pleasure in the uh, musical film Rock of Ages. I know it's a bad film, but I still enjoy it. So, you know, if this film can, in some ways, hit that sweet note, I'll, I'll like it. Uh, the film does star Jessica Roth, who was in those uh, Happy Death Day films. So I liked her in those films. Mike, I actually have no idea what your opinion of her is, but... She's good. I liked both of those films. Yeah. So, you're so, so, Yeah, so, um, that would be that. But, uh... She's also not all in, right. Uh, for five seconds. Uh... Good for her. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love La La Land, but saying that you're one of the friends at the party, that, that's, a, that's just, a, hey, you either knew the director or you knew a producer, and they're like, hey... Wait, Logan Paul like to... in this movie? Is it the streamer Logan Paul? Oh, yes. And here's the thing. Before we get into this, I guess, I don't... There's, there's apparently a controversy about him. I don't know him. I don't follow anything that happens with him. But this movie was supposed to come out in theaters, and they pulled it because of a controversy with him. Um, so, yeah. Well, that'll be exciting. We'll talk about it next so week. So there will be something exciting to talk about next week. I'll do my homework so I know what actually happened. Uh, and it's probably something that he's a terrible person, like most people are, and he probably should never be allowed to work again. Uh, but if he's a streamer, he can, I guess, do what he wants. Um, so, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always email them to us at filmologyshow at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all Filmology Show. Visit uh, filmologyshow.com for all of our reviews Filmology Film Madness the polls that are up you can find them all there and that's about it Mike once again you're good to go I'm I'm something I'm good <laughs> you're, you're, you're something alright so yeah. that's going to be it for this week's show and enjoy your weekend film bye let's all go to the lobby Let's all go to the lobby, let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy, the chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby. To get ourselves a tree